Welcome to the Gathering at Adel's Sermon of the Week. This message is by Pastor Jeff Hopkins. As you listen, we pray that you will be encouraged, empowered, and enriched. Thank you. God bless. You know, I was sick last week. Uh, Brady Sandlin got a text at about 6.30 in the morning. Uh, Hey, not going to be able to make it. I mean, I, I did make it. I was here. I was right back in that bathroom, not doing so well. Lauren's like, my wife is like, why? Hey, there you go. So I was like 5, 30, 6 o'clock in the morning. I was like, hey, this ain't going to go well today. So I called Brady, texted Brady. He graciously obliged and said yes, which spared y'all all of having to see me in that condition. So Brady, thank you for filling in and doing that. Although missing last week did cause a lot of questions, mainly from my three-and-a-half-year-old daughter, who no less than 170 times this week said, why you get sick at church? I'm like, babe, I don't know. And she's like, okay, and comes back, why you get sick at church? I'm like, I don't know, babe, I just got sick. There's nothing significant about it. Was that church, whatever, you know? Uh, And then Thursday night, we're laying in bed, me, uh, her name is Evelyn, and then Milo, they're three-and-a-half-year-old twins. And, she, of course, she asked again, uh, Dad, why do you get sick at church? And Milo's watching YouTube kids in bed with me, and he goes, he dying. I'm like, <laughs> like I'm not. I'm not. So if you heard a rumor that I'm dying, it, I mean, I'm, I'm perfectly healthy. I mean, I still got a little holiday weight from 2017. But other than that, I'm doing pretty good, okay? Like, don't, don't believe the rumor if you hear that. Uh, so good. The kids are so fun and so frustrating, you know. Like, thanks, Milo. I mean, he didn't even look up. He's just like, he dying. <laughs> Whatever. Man, we, we are. We have started... Uh, the book of Galatians. I know Brady went through some of that last week, and so we're gonna we're gonna go Galatians one. I'm gonna read Galatians one through ten. It will be up on the screen if you do not have your Bible. I hope you do have your Bible. If you do not have a Bible, there are sporadically some Bibles underneath the seats, and you can find one and grab one. Uh, you can take it if you go, man, I just don't really even have a good Bible that I can take home and uh, really study with. Please come see me after service, and I will make sure that we order you one, and you, you're able to take home and get, get a Bible. So Galatians number one. You ready? Here we go. This is Christian Standard Bible. Paul, an apostle. Not from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 6, I am amazed... Isn't the word so good? I'm amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, 
a curse will be on him. As we have said before, I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. For am I now trying to persuade people or God, or am I striving to please people? If I were trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Father, we just come before you today. Humbly open up your word in Galatians. Father, may it transform us today. May the good news of the gospel be good to our ears. In your name we pray. Amen. I don't know if you've been reading through the word quite a bit. You'll notice that Paul has written several books of the New Testament. And each of the books has an introduction, a welcome, a bit of a backstory to it sometimes where, where Paul will uh, say things. But man, in Galatians, Paul like doesn't do any of those things. Paul's not like, hey, I'm really proud of you guys. Way to go. There's no thanksgiving or praise in this one. Look, look at Ephesians. Look, look at the book of Galatians, Ephesians. These epistles can be kind of difficult. Someone gave us an a insight on this, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. To get them in order, go eat popcorn. So that has always stuck with me now. So go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. But look, look, at, the, look at the introduction in Ephesians. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, to the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. See how he, he's a little bit nicer in that one there? Look at Philippians. It's the next one over. Philippians, he kind of gives a back. Hey, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. like he, He's making it personable. The next book over it is Colossians. Go eat popcorn. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Timothy, our brother. To the saints in Christ at Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters. Grace to you and peace from... But like, look at Paul. Paul starts in Galatians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men or by men but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me. Like Paul leaves out all the pleasantries in this because Paul is about to just let them have it. You know, I mean, can you just tell in that first tone, have you ever gotten a text message in that like first sentence? It's like, oh man, I'm in trouble. <laughs> this is gonna be a big one, you know? And uh, this is what it is. That first little sentence is like, hey, I'm Paul. I'm an apostle, not by man, not by man, not from man. God sent me himself, no one else. And so here's what I have to say to you. He goes, I am amazed that you so quickly turned away. Like Paul is serious because there's a seriousness in this. Like this isn't just like a, oh man, you guys are really struggling in this area. No, Paul is saying, I am amazed. I am astonished. I am bewildered. I do not understand this. But that the gospel that I preached to you, you've now turned away from it. They became distracted, distorted. They, they took what was pure and they, they longed for something else. Uh, so quickly turned. 
That, that picture is a, is a picture of the, the, the same root words. And as you trace back the, the language of it, it's the same picture of when Moses went up on the mountain to meet with God. To receive the Ten Commandments and he came down in what? The people were worshiping a golden calf. That same thought process, that same picture where Moses comes down on the mountain and he sees his people worshiping a golden calf is the same picture. Right here where Paul goes, I am astonished that you so quickly turned away. Thursday night, I was changing some headlight assemblies on my truck, and I had my son, Ben, who was serving in the kids today. Uh, ben was in charge of holding the flashlight. I mean, man, y'all know how that goes, right? I, there's nothing more frustrating for both people involved, the flashlight holder and the person needing the flashlight. And, I mean, we're, it's very simple on what I'm doing. Like, uh, it's dark. I need this bolt off, and I've got the wrench right here. There's, it has nothing to do with anything that's happening back there, over there, up there. Or here or there. And I mean, I look at, and you know, it's, it starts off great. Like, bam, he's there. He's on it. And I'm like, okay, here we go. And then like two seconds later, it's like, and I'm like, hey, bud, where do I need the light? Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. To... <laughs> I mean, two seconds later, boom, gone. I'm like, Ben, what are you doing? Oh, there was a gnat. I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. It's already late. I want to get the headlight changed. We just got to get to this, you know? And then, I mean, it's just, then there was the cat. And so he's like, oh, I, I didn't know what that was. I'm like, bud, what it was is it wasn't right here. That's what it was. And I just, and, and as I'm preparing for the message, like, I swear the Lord was like, are you amazed? Are you astonished? Do you know how Paul felt? Like very plain, simple instructions. And he, he's having to write back to them and go, what are y'all doing? Y'all have turned away. You've allowed them to distort the gospel. What happens is somebody comes in and, and says something different. And it's like, oh, okay. That's good. That sounds right. Where Paul says, hey, if anybody preaches another gospel, and then I love how he says, not that there is another gospel. Like he doesn't even like, hey, somebody's preaching something else to you, and I called it a gospel, but I'm wrong because I'm going to correct you right now. It's not even a different gospel. There's not another gospel. We, there, there is one gospel. The gospel is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel, the word gospel means good news. There is no other good news out there. Jesus Christ is the only good news. Hey, did I enjoy Texas whooping up on Alabama last night? Yes, and that was good, but it was not good news. Sorry if there's any Aggie fans in here. Y'all lost. <laughs> Ooh, good day, good day, but like it was good, but there's only one gospel. There's only the good news of Jesus Christ. Nothing else is good. Except him. And Paul goes, how could you take what I gave you, what was good, what was pure and simple, and now you have defiled it with the law. We're no longer under the law. 
Don't you remember that's what I said? They went back to legalism. They went back to religion. And ever since they went back to legalism and religion, we have gone back to legalism and religion our entire history. Our default is legalism and, and religion because it's simpler. It's, is that a word, simpler? Too many syllables, simpler. I don't know. It has two or three syllables. It's so much easier. <laughs> That's better. So much easier to take a to-do list and just check mark it off. Read my Bible, yes. Pray, yes. Serve at the homeless shelter, yes. Give the homeless guy money for alcohol research, yes. Like we can just, we can just boom, boom, boom. Mark it off and we lay our head on our pillow at night and we can go to sleep. Because that's simple. But, but Jesus, when he first came with the Sermon on the Mount, what did he do? He said, hey, you have heard that it was said. Do not commit murder. But I say that if anybody has hate in their heart, they've already committed murder. Wow. The law was easier. It's easier to not kill somebody. It's tempting sometimes. Don't get me wrong. None of y'all, of course, and none of y'all towards me. But it's tempting sometimes. But it's easier to not murder than it is to not have hate in our heart. It says, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say that if anybody has lust looks at a woman lustfully, then he's already committed adultery. What's <laughs> pretty simple on which one is easier on that? And Paul said, Paul said, you've taken the purity of the gospel and you've defiled it with the law. You, you've gone back to legalism. You've gone back to religion. And it sounds easier. It sounds better. But legalism will never save you. Religion will never save you. It, it cannot happen. You are not good. That's why Jesus had to come and satisfy and fulfill every requirement of the law because no one in the course of history ever would have been able to. Legalism, what, what, what legalism and religion do, and I know some of this is going to be basic, but what I'm what I'm hoping for you to do is to identify an area in your life where you have gone back. Because maybe you haven't gone all the way back. But maybe there's an area in your life that goes, mm, yeah, I still hold on to that. Legalism takes rules over relationship. Legalism would rather follow a set of rules than to just be in relationship. Because with rules, you feel like you know where you stand. With a relationship, sometimes it's fuzzy, right? All the married men in the room are nodding their heads, right? Sometimes it seems like, you know, people ask you, hey, are you, are you good? And I'm like, I don't know, have you heard anything else? I, I think I'm good. You know, like, I think we're good. But like, what happens is, with relationship, you have to lean in on him, and you have to conversate, and you have to draw close to him. With rules, rules make it seem like you've satisfied him, but rules always keep you at a distance. Rules will never produce intimacy. Intimacy only comes through relationship. Legalism and religion relies on self-righteousness. Paul is saying, I gave you the gospel of grace. Where, where 
by grace through faith you were saved, not by work so that no man can boast. Like it's nothing to do with you. I gave you the purity of the gospel. It's grace. And now you want to go back to self-righteousness? Where, where you think you can save yourself? Where you think that you can do something? That you can be good enough to earn your way into salvation? You know, we have that mentality of just pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. Just grin and bear it. Just, oh, we can do it. If I just try hard enough. I can do it. There's no amount of self-will that will ever get you into heaven. Self-effort and self-righteousness. You, you are not righteous. You are not holy. Now, through the blood of Jesus, it says that we are the righteousness of God. But on your own doing? No. And, and I know y'all are good people. I look at this room and I'm like, man, this is some good group of people. But y'all aren't. You can't do it on your own. Rules and Religion will tell you that you can, because if I just follow these things, then I'll be right with him. It produces, legalism produces fear and guilt. It, it produces that, that lack of assurance of a sonship. Legalism, I can't tell you how many times because of legalism and religion, I walked down the aisle at a Sunday service, at a kid's camp, at a, at a youth camp, at a retreat, as an adult, like, man, I just don't know if I'm saved or not because I just don't feel like I am because I was looking at the rules and the regulations that religion had placed, and I just never knew that I was saved until I experienced the love of the Father. I still sin. I still mess up but I don't question my identity anymore. Because religion will always produce fear, guilt, and a lack of sonship. Where relationship, the word says, I, I want to say that it's Romans 8.1. That probably sounds right. It's in Romans, though. There is, it, it is, I believe. Somebody can fact check me in. Romans 8, 1, it says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Where there's legalism and religion, that's all there is. Shame, guilt, condemnation, and fear. Because I, I messed up. And, and, and look at that. And, and what, what does it teach us? Like, you have this whole, back in the 90s, the whole Left Behind series. And, and it's like, it, it taught fear. Like, man, what? I mean, I can remember thinking and being taught, man, if there's an unrepented sin in my life and Jesus comes back at that moment, I might not make it. I might, he might leave me behind. Why? Because I looked at the rules and the regulations and the legalism of religion and I, I didn't add up. No matter how hard I tried, no matter how many times I repented, I never measured up. I always walked in the fear Man, I, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. And then the last one on legalism and religion is you carry around a weight of burden and weariness. Because you take all that shame, guilt, condemnation, the lack of assurance of a son, you, you take that never measuring up, you're never worthy, you're never good enough, you can't do it. You take all of those things that you're, you're not worth it and you pile that on your back all day, every day. That's why Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 29, come to me all who are weary, heavy laden. 
and I know, I know sometimes we use that verse that, hey, we're tired or, or uh, we're going through a lot in the world right now. And that's really not what that's talking about. It, it's the, come to me, all who are weary, heavy burdened. And he's talking about with the rules and the regulations and the law. All of that's, that's been piled onto me because he says, come to me. For my burden is easy and my yoke is light. And Paul is saying, I am astonished that you went from this back to that. Because you had people in Galatia that were trying to pull them back. The, 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 I think the term is like Judaizers. Judaizers were trying to get them to come back. And they said, no, it's not just by grace through faith alone. You have to still follow the law. What, what, what he's talking about, they've distorted it because they said, you got to go and be circumcised like the rest of us. You don't get to just skip all of that because of one man. We went through this. You've got to go through it too. We, we have to hold all of these festivals and all of these things and all of the offerings and the sin offerings, the burn offerings, and all of that, the temple, the visits, the pilgrimage, back and forth. You've got to do it too. It's not fair that because of you are a Gentile, that now you don't have to. Where Paul is saying, but we're not saved through those things. Now, I will say that there is a beauty when you begin to look at the rhythm of the festivals. You, you begin to look at the way that God established the earth and, and the rest and the Sabbath and all of that. And you look at the, the way that he laid out the year. There's a beauty in that. But that will never save you. You cannot do those things to be saved. They don't make you a better Christian either because you follow the Old Testament covenants or festivals. doesn't matter. But these people chose legalism over a relationship. They chose slavery over true freedom. Legalism and religion will only offer you slavery. It will never let you out of, of the bondage of that. I think my, my quote for Galatians number, chapter 1, I try to provide one thing for you guys to take away. It's a couple, it's like a sentence, but maybe it's a run-on, so be ready. The gospel of grace liberates us from the chains of legalism and self-righteousness, giving us true freedom in Jesus Christ. The gospel of grace liberates us from the chains of legalism and self-righteousness, giving us true freedom in Jesus Christ. I love how, how in verse 3 Paul says, Grace to you and peace from God the Father. And, and Marianne on Wednesday night, she just shared, like, you, you can't have the peace of God without the grace of God first. You can't enjoy his peace with works. Works will run you to death. There, there will be no peace. You cannot in, experience his grace in religion. Religion and relationship, being a Christ follower, they do not mix. That's why Paul said, hey, I can't believe that like, y'all went back to this thing because y'all are believing a different gospel. And he's like, there's not even a different gospel. There's not another gospel. It's like they don't mix, but we try to like dabble in both. And we try to be like, well, these are good things to do. 
right? And so if you want to grow in your relationship, then these are good things to do, and they are. But what happens is then when you try to marry the two of them together, then you still have what you feel like is freedom, but it's still the rules and regulations. There's a, it, it, at the, like the Pearl Harbor Museum, uh, there's, I think there's still three ships that are, that are at the bottom. One of them is the USS Arizona, and uh, it, it leaks oil. And it, it, it has since the day it got sunk. And so there, there's oil that leaks out from it. It's been leaking for this long. Uh, and I think they said it, it could last another 500 years. They, they don't really know how much is still in there. And so when, when you go there and you look at it, you'll see the oil is on top of the water. Because the oil and, and water do not mix. They, they're not attracted to one another. If you get down to the basic principles of like, why do they not mix? Well, it's... I wish my son was here. He could probably correct me. Noah, the science teacher. But, but pretty much what it is is that the, the water mo- molecules form a bond together. The oil molecules are not attracted to the water. Oil is denser, less dense, and so it floats. There you go. I don't get paid for science stuff. That's above my pay grade. But, but what happens is we, we try to bring this together with religion, with rules, regulations, legalism, and we try to mix it together with being a Christ follower with relationship, and it doesn't work. Because if you've been in a relationship with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, you're no longer attracted to the rules and the regulations. You, you walk into a place and you're like, Ooh, okay, a little religious in here. You know, like you can just feel it. You walk in, it's a little stuffy. Uh, I've been to some of those places. Uh, we might have erred on that side sometimes, so forgive us if we have. But essentially what they're saying is that the Judaizers were saying it, it can't just be Jesus. It has to be Jesus plus the law. And, and then for us, we add in these things, Jesus plus the law, Jesus plus our works, Jesus plus health and wealth, Jesus plus our, our finances, Jesus plus our own kingdom, right? Like we want to do it our way. We're in charge we're of our own thing. And so then we, we add all of these things like to be saved. It's Jesus plus something else is what rules and regulations and legalism tell us. But, but it's Jesus is it. He's the only good news. Legalism and works will heap additional requirements in order to be saved. But the gospel of grace liberates us from the chains of legalism and self-righteousness, giving us true freedom in Jesus Christ. There, there's a slide. Do you, do you have that? So there's going to be some scriptures up here. Like this is like when you're looking at the gospel of grace, what, what Paul preached and he taught. I'm going to read Galatians uh, 1, 4. And five real fast before we get into those. But when Paul's like, I'm astonished that you, before he even gets to that, he goes, he says in verse four, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Like Paul like preaches the gospel right there. And I was like, I'm so surprised that y'all fell away from the gospel that I just mentioned again right there subtly. But then look at this. Look at Romans 5.1. Is it up here? Romans 5.1. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Next slide. 
For rarely will someone die. No, wait. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person. Though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare die. But God proves his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Next one. Now if by grace, then it is not by now if by grace, then it is not by works. Otherwise, grace ceases to be grace. What? We are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. That cuts it off there. And yet, because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. This was so that we might be justified by, Christ, by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not a gift, or this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift. Not from work so that no one can boast. Look at this, it's so good, Titus 3, 4, and 5. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. That's the gospel. People, people, like, it's so hard to share the gospel sometimes, but sometimes it's just so simple. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ, and the good news of Jesus Christ means that we have been saved by grace through faith alone, not by our works so that no man can boast that while we were yet sinners, he died for us, that we have been justified, that we've been made the righteousness of Christ, that, we, that we've been, by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. Like the gospel is so pure and simple and easy, but yet we add so many things to it. That's why in Romans 1.16, it's Paul. Paul goes, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And a lot of times we take that to mean, go ahead and put that fish sticker on the back of your car. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. But what it means, Paul is saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I know that seems blasphemous, but it's really that simple and it's really that easy. And I'm not ashamed that it's that simple. I'm not ashamed that we don't have to follow all the rules and the regulations. I'm not ashamed that we don't have to have the sacrifices. I'm not ashamed of all of those things. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of life. We struggle still trying to add things to it. Not only that, but, but if we're not careful, we find ourselves following other gospels ourselves. Uh, one on Wednesday night, we, we talked about, you know, that's out there and it's just man. It, it has its own name. It, it's even got gospel at the end of it. It's called the, the prosperity gospel. So what we're saying is that the, that the good news is my health and my wealth. That's what the prosperity gospel, in, 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 it, in, the, in the, the wrongest form that, that exists, is that good news is my health and my wealth. Now, 
here's the beauty of the gospel of grace. Is that when we follow that, when we come under that, when we run into someone who is sick, we pray for him. We pray for healing. Just because the gospel of Jesus Christ is, is the grace that now we have been saved and made right with him, we still pray for healing. We still pray for financial blessings. But those are not the good news. To say that my, these are fun, tricky conversations to have on a Sunday morning in front of everybody as I'm coming up with it right now. (laughs) To say that my health is the good news, then then what would I say to the Christians that were burned at the stake and fed to the lions? What gospel were they believing? If, if the good news is my health, then what did they believe? But when we come into the gospel of grace that we have been saved by grace through faith alone, what that does is that says, man, I mean, I want, I want, I want to be Healthy-ish, sorry. My wife's looking at me like, oh, you don't, not the way you eat. I'm like, or drink. But my primary goal in life is not to be healthy. If I'm sick, how does that change what Jesus did for me? Does he love me any less? If, if, I'm, if I'm going through a, a disease, does it, is it like, oh God, why have you turned your back on me? I mean, look, look at Acts chapter 7. It says that there, there was too much to be done. The apostles couldn't do it all. They needed to appoint people, men that are full of faith. They appoint seven, and Stephen is one of them. Stephen met all the qualifications. But yet Stephen's life ended be, by being stoned by the religious When our primary goal in life is to be healthy and wealthy and to follow that, to follow that gospel and that line of teaching totally discounts our brothers and sisters all across the world. You, you go to any country. And I know a lot, of, a lot of you guys have been on mission trips. You go to any country. What do you come back amazed at? They have nothing, but yet they have more than I have. Their heart is more full than mine, and yet they have nothing. I mean, the, the statistic that's out there is like that there are what like 3.6 billion people that live and die on two on two dollars a day is what they make. But yet you go and see them, and they 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 possess more than I ever will. So I I don't get the new pair of shoes that I want. And that causes me to question if God loves me, is concerned for me. Where, Where there are kids that will never put on a pair of shoes their entire day of their life. 
And if they have faith in Jesus Christ, then that day they will be welcomed before him. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. To put all of my hopes and dreams on my health and my wealth, such a, such a wrong way to live. We, we look at these gospels that we give ourselves to. Works. I'll tell you, we, we still struggle with works and, and do, do, do. Self-righteousness. We struggle with those. And what, I, what I'm here to tell you today, like, like I, I really, like there's so much in, in just these 10 verses. There's 24 all together. And just these 10 verses, it's like, how can, I, how can I effectively communicate this to you? And all I can say is, is Jesus enough? Or do you have to have something else? For you to realize that you're saved not by your works, not by anything that you can do, to surrender to him, to lay it all down at his feet, never to pick it up again, to never question your sonship, never to question your identity. As I look at this, all those gospel, all the other gospels, they try to exalt someone else or something else above him. They try to say, Jesus is good, but the good news is you and your kingdom. Jesus is good, but man, how, how, can, you serve, how can you serve God if you, if you don't have any money? How, you know, we're blessed to be a blessing. We're, uh, we, right? So many more things we can do if we just had money. How many people have ever, Lord, if, I, if you just let me win the lottery, I'll just, I'll serve your kingdom. You can fool everyone else, but you can't fool him. He knows I'll have the biggest closet full of shoes you've ever seen, man. To put our hope to say that good news is the way that I feel and that what the size of my bank account. We, we've missed the gospel. As Paul says, that's not even another gospel. That, that's so wrong. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. Because, I mean, I can, we can just walk through the Bible. Like, you're like, man, I ain't got no money. Like, so I'm not trying to have the prosperity gospel. I got to have money. Well, what about... What about the widow who, who was opening up her cupboard? She was going to make her last meal for her and her son to, to eat and die. And Elijah comes and visits her. And he says, woman, make me some food. I'm hungry. From that day forward, she never ran out. And you're like, yeah, but that's, that's one I mean, if he'll, if he'll bring Elijah food from the ravens, if, if, he'll, if God will, I mean, the first Uber flies, Uber eats was the ravens, and it brought, sometimes I shouldn't do the jokes that I come up with at the last minute. That's not written down. Scratch that. Hey, Josh, when you do the recording, just take that out. Right. But, but if we truly believe that he is good, then, then I'll say, I know my bank account says this, 
but I'm not worried. Because the size of your bank account does not determine the size of the mansion in heaven that you get. The gospel of grace liberates us from the chains of legalism and the self-righteousness, giving us true freedom through Christ Jesus. Here's what I love about the gospel of grace, where legalism always produces slavery and bondage, fear, guilt, shame, condemnation. The gospel of grace frees us from the power, the pleasure, and the punishment of sin. The gospel of grace frees us from the power, the pleasure, and the punishment of sin. Once we give ourselves over to the Lord, follow after him, sin has no power over us anymore. Before, we, before Jesus Christ we sinned, we were powerless. But after him, it says that we are no longer slaves to sin. Every sin that me and you will choose from this day forward will be a choice. But I'll tell you, the gospel of grace says it has no power over you anymore. You can say no. You can choose not to sin. It might be very difficult in certain situations. But sin has no power over you anymore. And that's the gospel of grace. It's not because you've done anything. It's because he has defeated every enemy that ever existed, that ever will exist. And now he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's interceding for us day and night. We are free from the pleasures of sin. If you are still enjoying the sin that you're in, I think a conversation with the Father is needed. You should no longer enjoy sin. In Psalms, let me see, I think it's a... Sixteen, Psalm sixteen. Oh, eleven. Here's one. Here's a good scripture. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. Here's another one, Psalm thirty-seven, four. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give your, you your heart's desires. Are y'all just now realizing that there's a first part to that? Where the Lord where where everybody else says what? Oh, the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. Take delight in the Lord. And he will give you what your heart desires. <laughs> Love to read the word for for the word and not how someone else puts it or posts on Facebook, because that one sounds really cool. But leave out that first part. Sin should no longer be pleasurable when we have the gospel of grace in us. The punishment of sin. I think probably one of the hardest parts to get past is this, the gospel of grace is that when something bad happens to us, we, we think that we deserve it because we made a choice three days ago. <laughs> you know? You hit your hand with a hammer, you're like, oh, nah, I deserve that. I didn't speak to my kids right the other day. And you're like, 
How is that correlated? No, Ben just moved the flashlight off and I hit my head and my, my thumb with a hammer. Like sometimes there's just consequences. It just happened. It doesn't mean that there's a sin in your life. But what, how, what we think is like, man, a car wreck. And you're like, man, man, I wonder what that person did wrong. Because we have this idea that we are still under the punishment of sin when Jesus Christ paid the full price for sin. He, he paid the full debt. He, he didn't just pay, hey, okay, now no more power, no more pleasure, sin, but, but I still got to punish you some. And I'm going to do that through car wrecks and accidents or, or cancer or diseases. And, and you're like, oh, man, what, what's going on? Divorces and all that thing, kids going astray. And you're like, yeah, I, man, I, I've been an alcoholic, and, and I, I just deserve that. That's what I get, you know, because it's like, what? I mean, the word says that because of Jesus Christ, because of the blood of Jesus, we will no longer have to know the wrath of God. Where we think that, man, God is angry and he's vengeful. He's going to get us. Is that weird to think that you've never known the wrath of God? Where you think it's been something? You're like, oh, well, what about this? No. The blood of Jesus satisfied the wrath of God. After you come to Jesus, the, the wrath of God, you, you, you don't know that. <laughs> but what happens is we have the, the picture of the earthly father that says, before a spanking, what does he say? It's going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Don't think so. <laughs> Unless you're doing it wrong. I mean, he goes, right now, I think it's going to hurt me way worse. You know, unless you mess up. But we take that mentality to the Father where it's like, oh, he's going he's gonna to get you. And it's going to hurt him too because he's a loving Father. You never know the wrath. You'll never know the wrath of the Father once you come to know Jesus Christ because the gospel of grace satisfies and paid for the power, the pleasure, and the punishment of sin. The gospel of grace liberates us from the chains of legalism from the chains of self-righteousness, giving us true freedom in Jesus Christ. We're going to end with this because it seems like it's been kind of lengthy. Why do we go back to those things? I like how nobody was like, no, it's good, keep going. <laughs> some people smiled, some nodded, and then some were just like, Ugh. Oh, it's been good, Jeff. Your good word today. Why do we fall back into it? Because we don't know the word. What, what, why did the, the, the Galatians fall back? Because they believed someone else's word and not his word. Why do I fall back into the things that I fall back into? Because I believe someone else's word instead of what does his word have to say. But then also there's a lack of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was going away, preparing himself, he said, hey, I'm going to give you someone that's better for you than me. I think it's John. I should really write these things down before I say this. John 16, 4, though, is what I'm believing it is, uh, where he says that the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth and all understanding. Why do we not know the truth? We don't know the word, but then also we don't, we're not listening to the Spirit. 
Because the Spirit will lead you into all truth and all understanding. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to a place that the Father's not already there. There's a lack of personal relationship. Why, why do I go back to the things that I used to, the old ways of doing things? Because there's no relationship there. Have you noticed that when you've been, when there's been distance in the relationship, you're willing to believe a lot worse things about somebody? When, when there's not closeness, when there's separation, then you begin to think not the best about others, or you, you begin to think that they're going to react the way that you would react. <laughs> Have you noticed that? And so, so then, then you begin to think poorly about somebody. And so the same thing happens with us and the Father. When there's not that relationship, then we lose all those good thoughts that he has for us. Because if we're not spending time in his word, we're not listening to his spirit, and there's no relationship, then the whispers of the Father are not there. They're there, but we don't hear them. We become earthly-minded. I mean, this doesn't matter. This whole thing doesn't matter. Like, like I'm going to live. I, I, I believe 120, right? I get the full 120 that's promised to me. I, I, I know that goes against my Dr. Pepper habit, but I really think, man, the, the Lord is good. Name it, claim it. Uh, like, oh. That's another, I didn't even talk on that gospel, man. That's another one. Y'all go study that, man. Uh, but our time on earth is so limited. Where we turn back to the other things is when we lose sight of that and we think that everything that is in front of us matters. But he said, blessed are those are coming after you who will believe who won't see me. Because what it means is that there, there's always that eternal perspective. And then the last one, immaturity. <laughs> you know, you get to end with that since y'all didn't say, oh, keep going, Jeff. I'm going to tell you, hey, why do we go back to it? Immaturity. We want to be spoon-fed. You want to, not you, I'm saying this to me. I want to, I want to come to a church and I want, I want to be spoon-fed. I want the pastor to say, open up, here comes the train, choo-choo. Here, here's your meal for the day. Instead of going, no, I don't need that. Get away. I need to get into the Word. And I'm not going to, I don't need you to feed me. I need the Word to feed me. I need to, that's why it says that to, to live on every word. In this, it's the bread of life. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Like, but we want to be spoon-fed. We want to be coddled. We want to be told we're doing good. And it's okay. And, and here, here's just enough for today. Because if I give you too much, you won't come back next week. But the word teaches that if you teach a man to fish, But then I'm not needed. Rules, religion is not needed if y'all figure it out. And then you know what we get to do? Then we get to go back into the homes where it all started. Is there any area in your life where you go back to self-righteousness and legalism?
Is there another thing that you think, man, that is good news? The gospel of grace liberates us from the chains of legalism and self-righteousness, giving us true freedom in Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray and dismiss us. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Pure, simple, perfect, without error. Thank you for the servants that went before us. Who died so that we could read this today. Father, I pray that in our hearts, the gospel of grace would take root. That legalism and self-righteousness would bow their knee. No longer control or operate in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There are three announcements. The first one is volleyball night slash afternoon. So this Saturday from 3 to 6, there will be some volleyball being had right back there. It is always a great time. Uh, And if you want to practice the gospel of grace and humility, I will be dishing that out on the court. (laughs) All right, next one is camp out. And now, if you haven't been a part of us, and you, so you go, church camp out. That's a poor word to use because it is very little camping. And, I mean, you can sleep in a tent. You can drive back and forth. But we partner with our uh, campus in Brock to uh, host a camp out. And so you text that camp out to that number. You'll get all the details. But also, if you walk outside of these, and I saw a lot of you guys took them last week, outside there's a table that has just all the info that you could ever want on there about the camp out. Third one and last one is our family nights, which are starting, uh, started last week. Uh, and so we have things for kids, for youth, for adults. We had a great Bible study in here on uh, that Wednesday night. But you're free to come up here at 6 o'clock. There's, dinner is provided for the kiddos and adults and all of that stuff, child care. Uh, as long as you stay, don't drop your kids off and leave, you know, I'm looking at you, Waldens, right? (laughs) I'm joking. But, you know, so it's a great time to just come and fellowship and have a good time. So those are the three announcements. Love you guys. Thanks for putting up with me. Bye. Go pick up your kids.